Blog Talk Radio. Live here Sunday night at 11 on Blog Talk Radio. Feeling pretty good. Um, I'm about to have DJ Aladdin on for the now record setting, I believe, fourth time. Wait a minute, no, I think Danny has been on four times, but um, fourth time, and, I, and any time I've ever had him on, I've never even played any of his, like, you know, he's a DJ and he can do these these mixes and everything. So we're about to turn one on right now. Um, Alain, you there? I believe DJ Aladdin is connected at the moment. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm here. We're about to get into this uh, mix. Now, is there anything you want to say before we uh, turn this uh, mix on? What was this? Was this a, a cheerleading mix? I'm not responsible. Yeah, yeah, it was a cheerleading mix. Basically, yeah, what this was is a friend of mine. Um, her daughter's in cheerleading. She needed a mix done. Um, they had one that someone did for them. They weren't very fond of, or at least she wasn't. And she had her own ideas and just kind of passed them on to me for me to do it. Um, the other thing that I'll pa- I'll say is that I'm not responsible for what has happened to this mix since I handed it over to you <laughs> until the time that it goes live on air. Because I know what you're, you're really, like. And, uh, <laughs> you really, you really think I would do so- you really think I would take liberties like that? And actually, I'd be disappointed if you didn't. We'll see. <laughs> actually, add something into this mix. Well, yeah, let's check it out. His DJ Latin uh, mix for all the cheerleaders out here. You know, something to make them, you know, happy. You know, everybody's happy, right? It's supposed to be happy right. music. That's what you're shooting for, right? Absolutely. Okay, so. Are you ready? Let's go find this hater, put a bullet in his fucking head, cause he's gonna be the one dying, no one else. Every motherfucking member of this crew is gonna be the one living. I got my gun. 
I do now? I'm standing over him. He's like, dude, please don't kill me. I got a lot to live for. I said, fuck you. It's your time to die. <laughs> I, I, Very interesting I for accusing you. Yeah, I apologize for accusing you of possibly tampering with it. That you wouldn't do such a thing. So, so that's exactly as intended, right there. Cheerleaders love it. <laughs> Very uh, uh, interesting choices, yo. <laughs> Next. Hey, I, I just mixed them together. It was they, they gave me the suggestions. I worked with them. They said kill the hater. I said you got it. We got to put that in there. <laughs> Let's go find it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that mix. I'm sure you didn't play that mix today. Now today, you actually were a DJing at a Columbus Marathon here in good old Columbus, Ohio, and I, I want to hear all about this. What was this like? Um, the, the marathons are always kind of fun. Um, basically, what it is is uh, a guy that's another uh, DJ colleague of mine that's actually more or less in charge of putting this together, and he'll get bands and stuff to perform as well, but basically he's lining um, somewhere around um, 100 different spots along the route with the different performers. So basically the idea is that you're playing music for the runners to motivate them and, you know, whatever. A lot of them have their headphones and so they have their own music, but you're playing mm-hmm. for them uh, more than you are for people that are going to maybe be bystanders or whatever. If they happen to be bystanders, great. But for the most part, you're playing for the people who are running. Um, started doing it last year. I've done the marathon, triathlon, and then today uh, the marathon again. So it's kind of kind of nice because uh, it's a, it's a Sunday, and most most DJs don't have all that much work on a Sunday. But um, so yeah. we're usually free for stuff like this, and it's also just kind of nice to get out there and uh, do something and be supportive of these people who, who are crazy enough to run 26.2 miles for absolutely no reason at all, except for they want to do it and. They actually paid to be able to do it, so playing some music forms is a nice thing to do anyway. Yeah, where exactly were you in in, in the marathon? Were you uh, the guy in the beginning of the marathon, or that plays music, or further down? Or I was actually um, towards the end. I was actually at the around the twentieth mile. So um, the guys who are, are to the front of the marathon, I've been at, at different spots depending on you know which year it was. But if you're at the front, you know, this is logical. When the guys come out of the gate, or you know, guys, girls, whoever, whoever started the marathon, they all come out kind of together. I mean, obviously, there you can't put thousands of people off of the starting line at once, but they're all going off at the same time. So if you're towards the front of the race, you know, you're playing for maybe less than an hour before everybody gets through. Um, the farther you go back, the more the pack gets, you know, it spreads out. Obviously, you've got your elite runners that are going to be going across the finish line first. Then you've got the people who are um, either casual or, you know, um, just, you know, saying, hey, I, this is on my bucket list. I want to run a marathon. And obviously they're going to be a little bit slower towards the back of it. And then there's me who says, I'm just going to sit here on the side and play music instead. So um, <laughs> as we get spread out, the farther you are back there in the uh, pack, the longer you're going to end up playing. So even though my, like, scheduled slot today was 9.15 to 12.30, I actually ended up playing somewhere around 9 o'clock when the first – uh, a couple of runners came through, and I played until about one thirty when everybody was, was through. So it just depends on you know how spread out they get. Oh, so uh, yeah, I, I would have been in a marathon, but I didn't want to smoke everybody, make everybody you know feel bad, but, you know, because supreme well, athlete. Uh, 
you know, the the condition, you know, the kind of physical specimen that I am. You know, I, I just don't take part in these kind of things. <laughs> so you were there for probably, right. well, you, you well, know, about, the cigarettes help you, help well, your, you know, your cardiovascular fitness because you're used to <laughs> depriving yourself of oxygen anyway. So going through the 26.2 mile run is that's like exactly. that's just a Tuesday for you, you know. <laughs> so you were there for about four or five hours today. Now, now, did anything bizarre happen um, that you that you noticed or? Um, no, not so much. Um, you know, it's, it's, the, the thing that's weird about it is that when you're doing the, the marathon, if you're DJing the marathon, um, think of it the way that radio stations do things. Uh, most people think of people that are listening to a radio station. They don't sit at home and listen all day. So they assume, uh, you know, you're not going to listen that often. So if you listen to, you know, the top 40 clear channel station here in town, um, you can hear the same song probably once an hour, if not more often than that, because they think you probably put in your, 20 minutes of listening and you're probably not, you know, hearing it. So it's a whole new audience. Well, that's the thing with the marathon is that you have a new audience in theory about every 60 seconds because the people run into, into yeah. audio range and run out of audio range. So you could literally probably play the same three songs over and over those whole five hours and uh, no one would notice. But being a man of pride, I um, actually make it a point not to replay Anything, unless I play, maybe a totally different mix of it over the course of that five hours. So it's pretty much different music the whole time. But um, so far, I haven't had anything, you know, really odd. I mean, if personally, I would think that, you know, with running a marathon, you might stop and throw up in front of me or something. But, yeah, you know, throw you up, ever... faint, hey, yeah. ambulance right, coming yeah. to somebody. No, no, they're, they're actually really appreciative. I, I think come by a lot of times, you, you, they, you know, they, they actually clap for the you because they realized that you got up on a Sunday morning to come out here in, you know, thirty some degree weather, which it was this morning, you know, and you had to be in the forties, um, just to play music for them. And they're appreciative of that, so they'll clap, they'll say thank you, you'll see them, you know, kind of thinking as they go along. It's amazing what good spirits people are in after already running twenty miles and you know, so they're probably just like, Oh God, at least I'll have six to go, now I have something to be happy about. But yeah, they're they're really uh having a good time and enjoying what they're doing and they, they are appreciative of you, which makes you feel, you know, good about your decision to give up your, you know, morning to be there. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> didn't you go out last night? I, I went to the casino tonight, you know, but I think you had better luck than me, you know. So <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, I did, I did stop by last night. I, I had a wedding and um, I got a you know tip at the end of the wedding, which sometimes I do, sometimes don't, just depends on, you know, the customer, it doesn't mean anything if they like you or not necessarily, but uh, they said they had a great time, gave me a tip, and I said, okay, cool, so I'm on my way home. And I said, eh, you yeah, know, let's stop in real quick. So I stopped into the casino and, you know, play play my set basically is what I did and, um, you know, made a little bit of money and then said, okay, okay, I'm going to cash out and leave. So I cash out and I'm on my way out the door and then there's this table and with uh you know this couple sitting at and they're they're both each playing I play blackjack and they're sitting here playing and they got their friend with them or whatever and there's another guy on the other side they all think they're having a good time and uh, they're starting a new shoe which for those who don't gamble a new shoe means that basically you got eight decks and they shuffle them all up and you're starting a new deck or a whole new I guess eight decks so you figure okay new new shoe let's start fresh I sit down next thing I know. Um, instead of being up $25, I end up leaving up about $170. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, I, that, that kind of kept me up a little bit later than I had originally planned, but, um, 
Yeah, I'll stay up late for some money. So how, how, did you, how did you do tonight? I know you went by the casino earlier, so we haven't talked about that. So how did you end up doing? Yeah, I, I, I went up uh, 50 bucks a couple different times on a couple different machines, but they did not want to pay out no more than $50. <laughs> I was really trying to hit the jackpot. <laughs> I was just sitting there at this one for like 45 35 minutes probably. I was just like, come on. <laughs> but, uh, um, let's get back to uh, marathons and, and casinos. Let's get back to uh, DJ Aladdin in the club. Now, you know, working in a club. Now, uh, okay. what is the most drunk? What is the most drunk you've ever seen someone get? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, might have been me, actually. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I've, I've seen people. I, I mean, it's, it's a club, and I've been doing it for. for I'm, I'm not going to give away my age now. I've been doing it for you know 20 years now, so I've obviously seen a lot of people overstay their welcome at the bar, or um, you see the people that you realize that that's the reason that bar's in business because this guy is paying the light bill tonight. Um, but yeah, I think the most the most uh, alcohol is probably me, uh, buddy of mine. Uh, that really? At my at my first club that I worked at, he um, bought a bottle of Everclear. And for people who are not in Ohio and some other states, you know what Everclear is. It's some pretty potent stuff, and it's actually so potent that we can't we don't even sell it here in Ohio. Uh, but he had his hands on some, and he brought some in. And personally, uh, he was the guy who ran lights. Uh, the light board at the time. And I think he just wanted a DJ. So he said, Hey, how do I get to DJ easily? Let's knock the DJ out with some Everclear. So yeah, the next thing I know, um, I'm, I'm hurting. <laughs> I'm on the floor of my DJ booth. which is a pretty big DJ booth. And he's laughing his ass off at me as I would too. And, uh, you know, take over for the rest of the night. But yeah, I'd say, uh, I've seen some, some pretty drunk things. And usually, when people are drunk, it, it results in stupid behavior. They're trying to fight with somebody they shouldn't, or um, basically, <laughs> sometimes just fighting themselves to stand up. So it happens. But if you have if you have good um, good bartenders and good you know security, they see that guy before I see them, and they take care of some business. So unfortunately, I don't have a great story of uh, somebody that I off the top of my head of somebody that I've seen drunk, but I yeah. I know what I put myself through couple times. So. I'm sure you just look out and, and into the crowd at any given time. You can just see somebody just clearly drunk. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, absolutely. So um, what, what DJs like, do you like or who were the ones that inspired you or that you learned from when you were getting started? Because I don't think we've ever talked about that yet. Like, who yeah, actually, we haven't really. Um, I would say that, that that when it comes to you know what inspires me, I mean, when I was younger um, and I first started doing it when I was in my you know late teens or whatever, um, I was listening to uh, Star One Hundred Five, I believe, was a station in town here. But basically, they broadcast live from a club, and um, for the life of me, I can't remember who was DJing at the time. I probably wasn't paying much attention because what grabbed me was just listening to the mix, listening to them blend songs over top of each other. That's what inspired me. Now, once I actually started working, the first one that I actually came in touch with that I would say was a, a talented, you know, well-rounded and experienced DJ was actually at Desert Rose in Lancaster, which was my first job. And more or less, he helped me get the job after I became better friends with him. But uh, he's a guy went by the name of Jazz. His name was Jeff Hunter. And uh, he had just, he made it look effortless to mix 
records together and to choose the right song at the right moment for the crowd. It was just something that he was naturally, in my opinion, it seemed like he was naturally talented and, and good at this. So he was a big influence in me as far as just kind of keeping me humble because when you first start getting into something and you get good at it, sometimes you think you're, you can take on the world. You're like, you know, I know I'm the best guy out there. I can, I cannot DJ anybody. What did I know? I was, I was 18, 19 years old and had no experience under my belt. And, you know, I, I could have thought I was great, but this guy, you know, he said, Hey, look, you know, that's uh, not only was he a good mentor of, of sorts to kind of push me on the way, but he's also, um, very talented in his own right, and he basically handed me the reins to the club because he was getting married, and women don't like their husbands DJing apparently, which is partially why I'm divorced, I'm sure. But uh, there's actually a lot of current DJs out there in town that are very, very talented, and um, I don't like to say that anybody's more talented than anybody else because everybody's got you know, their strengths and weaknesses, but um, a lot of my best friends are DJs, and I look up to all of them for what they do, and even from the least experienced to the most experienced, there's always something that you can learn from them or something you'll hear them do and go, oh, my gosh, that's great. I need to do that in my set. Just like there's probably some things that you hear every now and then go, oh, well, that didn't work out. I'm glad they tried it before I did, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So it, it's, we, we are lucky here in central Ohio because um, of having one of the largest colleges in the, in the nation with Ohio State University that we have a lot of bars, a lot of um, young folks who want to get into DJing and then might stay in town because we do have a lot of bars because we've got the, one of the largest campuses in the nation. So it's actually in some ways good and bad as a DJ. You're, you're competing for, you know, more jobs because there are more people here and more people into DJing. But at the same time, you, you get a good variety of uh, seeing different guys in action and, and knowing what they're capable of and inspiring you to do new things behind the tables yourselves. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of bars now. Um, pardon my language, but uh, what what was the the shittiest bar you ever walked into? <laughs> uh, shittiest bar was one of my favorites. <laughs> it was uh, a place <laughs> called the Edge. The Edge on uh, it was on Ocean Campus back when I was when I was younger. Yeah, the Edge was um, one of the many buildings that burnt down, um, you know, 15 years ago or, or whatever on campus when. Um, basically high street hot on fire. You can almost look at it that way. Um, but it started to be the down, the downhill decline there and they kind of leveled a lot of buildings, but the edge was an underground bar, not in the fact that it was underground. Nobody knew where it was, but literally it was under the ground. You, you came through the front door, went downstairs <laughs> to the basement. And, um, unlike say sway, which is, um, underground and clean and classy and, you know, nice, this was underground, the sticky floors and uh, uh, picnic tables downstairs were, were what you sat on. I mean, you know, when you talk about, you know, dirty places, this is a place that literally I was downstairs and the DJ was pretty cool, playing some great stuff. People were jamming out. It's a college campus crowd. And you're sitting on a picnic table literally in a basement where it's dark. And all of a sudden you look over next to you and about like two people down, You'll see two two people just fucking on the table, <laughs> just, just sitting there and doing the deed. This dirty ass place, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't even want my feet to touch the floor, and his stuff's touching her. And I don't know, it's, but you know, it was it was something else. It was it was the place. But yeah, the edge. Um, anybody who's um, closer to my age and uh, grew up in this area, and, oh, you know, they probably been to the edge at one point in time or another. But yeah, that was that was probably 
one of my one of the places I had a lot of fun just because it was you know my younger party days. Even though I wasn't drinking much, um, I was just enjoying the atmosphere there. <laughs> There's uh, plenty of atmosphere in the air. So. Oh man, the edge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so have you ever? Oh, it's weird the transition. How, how, where do you go after that? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 this is the best way I can describe the floors. There is that if you think of, um, you know, you, you see the 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 spy movies where they're going up the side of a of a building and the glass with suction cups on their hands and knees and they're climbing up like Spider Man. Yeah, that's the floor there. Only there are no suction cups. That's just how your shoes stuck to it. It's like. It's, as you walk through it, it something. <laughs> it was good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> so that was back in the day. Now, uh, you know, you're an adult now. Like, uh, you know, um, are there things now that you would not do that you would do as a teenager? Um, from a standpoint sense? or just from a stupidity standpoint? <laughs> Just in a life in general, like uh, have you have you oh, changed? Because uh, I've noticed, like the older I've gotten, I see people sagging their pants or, or just bumping a a, a crappy rap song in their car. I'm just kind of like annoyed by it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think I'll, with age, I'll say it's kind of um, well. Well, this isn't even the thing so much anymore. But I'll tell you, when I was you know um, a teen and even and through you know probably my really early twenties or whatever. Having a bump in stereo in my car was so important to me. I mean, it was just so important that there was something rattling from the outside of the, the, the car that you could never hear on the inside because there was too much, you know, air, air pressure from the subs on the inside. Um, and, yeah. you know, now I look back at that, and, and it's not as popular now. People don't spend all their money on their car stereo systems anymore because now they're spending them on their Beats head, headphones or whatever, which is a much better investment, you know, keep your noise pollution to yourself. But... Um, yeah, when I do see it, hear a car come by that's just, you know, bumping their music ridiculously loud and um, you can hear the license plate rattling on the outside and just thinking, oh, my God, that's, that's just annoying. And they, you know what, though? I used to be that guy. You know, I used to be that guy yeah. that wanted my car to sound like that. And uh, Yeah, that would be, the, I guess, the, one of the stupid things. I've always been, and, and you know, a, a stick in the mud, I guess. I've never really gotten into any of the... Uh, you know the stupid decisions that a lot of a lot of us make throughout our lives as part of our learning process. So, so I, I thank myself for that, and sometimes I think you know maybe I missed out on something. But you know I was never uh, you know someone who got completely trashed all the time. I never experimented heavily in drugs or anything. That I never had those things. I could say, oh well, those are things I'd never do today. I never really did them then. But there were a lot of you know just annoying teenager things that you know, you, you you realize one day. Even my uh, sister on Facebook, uh, I think it was uh, last night, said something like, she's like, I just realized I, you know, I hate, you know, teenagers, and I wonder if I was, you know, that annoying or, or obnoxious. She said, I wonder if I was that obnoxious when I was a teenager. And my mom just put a smiley face as a reply to it. And uh, <laughs> one of her friends said, oh, we all were. I said, that's their way of saying, yes, you absolutely were that obnoxious. But, yeah, I mean, she's only, you know, she's twenty. Two years old, and she's like, "Oh, was I that obnoxious as a teenager?" Said, "Yeah, it was three years ago. Yes, you were obnoxious three years ago." And um, yeah, we all were. We all did obnoxious stuff that uh, we do now. What, what about you? What What did you do back then that you think of today as like, "Oh my God, well, I'm such a stupid kid. Why did I do stuff like that?" 
I mean, size of your pants, yeah, oh, you know, yeah. The, the style of stuff, but. Well, there's a, there's a few things that stick out right away. I'm, I'm trying to cut my own hair so I could have the spiked haircut that was popular back then. <laughs> so well, I have that haircut now. Can I cut my hair? And the, uh, shaving, uh, shaving the uh, lines in my eyebrow at home. Oh, yeah. Probably, yeah. And you like, that was ice? Yeah, I was too uh, chicken shit to do the lines in my head. I was like, oh, I don't like up. But yeah, yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah, it would have been too hard to try to attempt at home. But the eyebrow, yeah, I definitely did the eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. And I had a, I had a chain, too. I had a, a gold chain with a dollar sign on it. And I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. that guy, you know. Now, have but you ever had cool. any... Uh, have you ever had any serious injuries? Have you ever broken any bones? I've I fractured my elbow. I've been on crutches. Like, have you ever, or, or, or are you going to get hit by a truck tomorrow because nothing like this has happened to you yet? <laughs> that, that is very likely that I will totally get ran over by by a Kenworth truck tomorrow. Um, cause, because I really, I, I haven't had much, you know, bad happen as far as broken bones. All I can, I can tell you off of my head, the, Probably the only bone I can say that I almost definitely broke, though I never went to a um, hospital or anything to confirm, was I, my pinky on both hands. <clears throat> but I remember the first time that I did it, uh, I was probably in seventh grade, and this is one of those stupid things you do to impress a girl. So I'm in seventh grade. I'm not a crush on this girl for a year or so. Um, Susan Baker, if you're listening, this is about you. <laughs> um, now you should probably remember. She's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Um, but, you know, she's a friend of mine, and I had, you know, a crush on her, and she was one of the taller girls in our class. She was taller than me, and and um, she was on the girls' basketball team, and I was on the boys' basketball team. And we were just, you know, BSing around in one of our classes one day, and she's like, oh, I bet you I could take you. I'm like, oh, no, I got you. She's like, she's like come on, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm taller than you. I'm, I've been playing longer than you. I can probably take you. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, I, I, how about I play you after school? We'll just go a little quick game one-on-one before, you know, before our actual you know, regular games. She's like, okay, let's do that. Before the bus comes to pick us up, I'll, I'll play you one-on-one in the gym. So she were playing one-on-one in the gym, and I was not really that good of a player at all. I mean, I'd only been playing for about a year. and um, But I figured, you know, I, there's a chance to, you know, hang out with a girl that you like, you know. So we're sitting here playing basketball, and sure enough, you know, I, I stabbed my finger into the ball. So if you ever think about, you know, how you stub your finger in it, you know, buckles backwards and kind of swells up. I did it bad, and I guarantee you I broke my, my pinky finger, and I just had to – I said nothing. I said – made no indication whatsoever, acted like everything was fine. My fingers turning purple and swelling up to the, you know, to the size of my big toe, but, but I had to keep my, you know, keep my composure because, hey, I'm going to crush on this chick. I, I can't look bad in front of her. Needless to say, first of all, she beat me by one. Uh, second of all – um, playing in the game that night um, was kind of, you know, I still didn't mention anything to anybody, and it was painful. My finger was stiff, and, um, you know, I wasn't all that good, so I didn't get didn't play that much anyway. But it was it was uh, the only thing I've ever done was broke a, broke a little pinky finger, and it was all to impress a girl. So, yeah, it was all worth it. Yeah, and that's why, that's why I started smoking cigarettes to try to get with a girl. And You know, I've recorded, wrote and recorded songs and given them to girls back when I was 17, oh, yeah. 18. Now, is there anything, like, like uh, that you can remember, like, just, just when you were younger, like, you know, like, 
that, that that was just something you cringe about now. Like, why did I do oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, like, definitely. When you when you just said that about you know writing songs for girls, now I never wrote songs, but I guess I was always a DJ at heart, and I would um, you know you'd make your mixtape for your girl, right? Well, I make the mixtape for a girl that's not even my girl. <laughs> so it's like she's not my girl yet. <laughs> I make her a mixtape. I have this chick, this sappy old thing, thinking that for some reason hearing these songs are going to make her fall in love with me. You know. <laughs> so, so if you if you hear these sappy love songs, now you're going to think of me and what a great guy I am. You know, he's so nice. He's so nice. You know what? Maybe yeah. maybe I should give him a shot. It doesn't work that way, fellas. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Playing the sad, sappy role doesn't work that way. Confidence is the only thing that attracts women, um, besides money and, and a big song. So if you don't have money, you song, better be confident. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. I had that in my questions. Uh, do some women really date ugly men because they have money? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you like, answer it before. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about that. And there are women who will tell you that straight up. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, they, uh, with YouTube and, and the Internet and Facebook now, you see this all the time. They've got the things on where the guy pulls up in a car and, you know, he picks up the girl strictly because of the car that he's got. Because he walks down the street trying to talk to that girl. She's not interest, interested in him. And all of a sudden he walks over to his Porsche or Lamborghini or whatever it was in the video. And goes, oh, you know, you, well, I was thinking maybe we could grab lunch. She's like, oh, oh, well, okay. She's all of a sudden interested when she finds out what he drives. So yeah, it's it's absolutely true. Girls will date a guy for money, um, you know, and especially girls who want somebody to take care of them. Uh, there are plenty of girls out there who want that. I'm sure they want a guy that's just gonna sweep them and take care of them. Now, granted, I've never met any of these women because I've never had that kind of money that would say, oh, you know what, he's well off. But but I've talked to plenty of girls who said straight up, no matter how attracted they are to a guy, they're probably not going to go for him unless he's you know, financially stable and can take care of himself and ultimately probably in their head in the back of their mind, whether they want to admit it or not, can take care of them. But yeah, yeah, girls will date for money, just like guys will date for stupid reasons too, you know, stick with a girl just because she gives a good head. <laughs> she might be a total loser and a cheater, but you know what? Uh she blew his mind, so he sticks around. Yeah, I've just, I've just never been able to do it as far as uh, actually being able to be with someone that I wasn't, um, you know, I can be friends with anyone, but uh, if I'm not sexually attracted to them in that way, then yep. I can do it for money. She could be, a, you know, uh, who, like Barbara Bush or, I, I don't know, uh, <laughs> to pick a, as an example, but I, I just couldn't do it. No, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. You know, if there's no chemistry and you know, chemistry leads to that sexual tension and everything. You know, there's none of that. Um, and maybe it's maybe it's because when a guy is not attracted to a woman, it's going to show when it's time to show. <laughs> so if you're not attracted, some things just don't work unless you're into it. Uh, but, you know, a girl can lay there no matter what. <laughs> she can lay there and go, ooh, baby, it's so good. Oh, yeah, give it to me, daddy. She can do that all the time if she wants to, but... Uh, Guys, we have a little more responsibility in the act that um, doesn't always cooperate. If you know the that, uh, little attraction. You're talking about you can't, you can't. You wouldn't be able to get a stiffy. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to keep this, uh, you know, PG-13, and you go straight to NT-17. That's fine. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> it doesn't work if it's not meant to work. <laughs> you know, I'm to. Uh go back to uh, 
things in the news. <laughs> um, well, besides the fact that this week a man in Florida, he was arrested for the second time for having sex with a horse. I mean, besides that, <laughs> the other big story is uh, Ebola. Now, um, yeah. are you worry about Ebola? Are you afraid of contacting Ebola? Or this is something that all of us have to be concerned about? You know what? I've, I've, I look at this about sickness in general, but... Um, and the, my my theory is always that your your mental attitude shows in your physical health. And if you are, I don't want to say hypochondriac because you're not a hypochondriac to be afraid of this you know, deadly disease that's going around. And you know it's, they say it's not airborne. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. You know who knows? I mean, obviously people are contacting it. But no, I'm not. Um, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not worried about it myself so much. I mean, I guess if I know that people are getting it right in my neighborhood or whatever, then yeah, it's gonna you know it's gonna change your viewpoints a little bit more about it. Yeah. But you know, at, at the same time, I, I think that if you have an attitude of fear, you're looking, you're inviting sickness in. If you're you're afraid of being sick, if you're afraid of catching a cold, I've I've always prided myself on the fact that I almost never ever take a day off work because I'm sick. Now, I might take a day off because my son's sick or whatever, you know, take care of him. But for the most part, I, even if I feel it coming on, I got this little mental attitude that says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I don't have time to be sick. I'm not sick. This is, gonna, this is just going to blow right through. And in a way, it kind of works because if you've decided that you're not going to give in to this virus or whatever it is, hopefully you'll fight it off. Now, granted, um, you know, there's things you get infected with that, that you know, you you just can't beat. There's times when I'll get a sinus infection or whatever it may be, and, you know, it's finally I say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm legitimately sick. But I go about my day as normal and keep your mind off of it, and I think that actually helps your immune system to just be in that kind of uh, position. But deadly diseases uh, like uh, Ebola and, you know, but back in the day, you know, we had, we had the bird flu there for a while. We had uh, SARS. We had... You know, Nazi Ebola. There, there's things that come through, and, and I have to have faith. Though nobody has faith in the government, um, I have to have faith that, and you know, medical science to say that you know, when something's that much of an epidemic at the beginning stages of it, that they can, you know, they will fight hard to basically nip it in the bud before it goes anywhere. It's not like cancer that's been around forever before the technology caught up to fight it. I got, I mean, I've got this theory that we probably could have fought cancer if we knew what cancer was in today's modern day. If, if cancer just started existing now, that maybe there would have been a way to, you know, stop something like that before it spreads. But then again, yeah. cancer is also not one of those contagious things. So, um, but I think that when it comes to contagious diseases and infectious diseases, that there's a way to stop things right at the beginning today that, that usually takes over and, you know, kills off these threats before they become major, major events. So hopefully that's the case with Ebola as well. Yeah, you, you said about the one one thing is that this week even I've heard a few different people say that uh, Ebola is it doesn't even, even really exist. It's just something that the government is uh, putting out in the media to spread fear, just as everything else, just as a <laughs> Sandy Hook. You know, none of those kids really got shot. So, you know, uh, right. you know, there are people out there like that, and and they tend to uh, get other people thinking the same way they do. So, to actually hear someone oh, say, "Yeah, that was based on the government," is rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah rare, nobody wants to research anything. Rare. 
they don't want to research it. Nobody wants to research anything on their own. They want to say, oh, I ran on the Internet, it's gossip, and they run with it. You know, that's obviously the, the case a lot of times, and sometimes people go, well, I don't have time to research it. You had time to repost it, you know, it doesn't take but 30 seconds to Google. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's cool. You know, go ahead and, you know, repost your stuff. And, and yes, fr- Friday the 13th is going to be the first time the Halloween falls. <laughs> I don't know. It's like this is the first time. That's the one that's got me lately is that this is the first time in 666 years that Halloween has fallen on Friday the 13th. Let me tell you something. Halloween will never fall on Friday the 13th because it will always be the 31st day of the month every year year after year. So there will never be a Friday the 13th that is Halloween ever, let alone in 666 years, which is also a statistical impossibility as well. But but that's the thing that people put out there. They see, they go, oh, wow, this is cool. Let me spread this information. And when it comes to conspiracy theories, um, yeah, you know, we've talked about this in past episodes about 9-11 and a lot of other things, but people, they've lost faith, faith in government, which I can understand. Um, government Excuse me. Government is very much um, money motivated in probably most of the situation. So if there's money to be made by doing it or, you know, power or control or whatever, there's a good chance that somebody's either come up with the idea or do that. But some of these things that they that, you know, you're saying would be such a massive cover up, a massive cover up that you're expecting nobody to slip this out and actually show real proof of it. Um yeah, you, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen people say that, oh, yeah, the, first of all, like you just said, that it doesn't exist, that they're spreading it as a rumor of, you know, mass fear and whatever to maybe use it as a control method for, you know, can, to control us through fear. But then I've also heard people say that, you know, this is the government's way of enacting martial law because, you know, first of all, they'll release Ebola, then they'll, you know, come and, uh, you know, put, put – uh, the military into zones where they think there is Ebola, and then all of a sudden they've got you under lockdown. They can tell you exactly what to do. So it's 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 you know domino effect of paranoia. Um, people who have yeah. no faith in the government. So if you go Obama. back and if you go back and actually, no, you're not gonna. Nobody's gonna. But if you actually go back and listen to old Ice T albums <laughs> from the eighties, he was had the saying the same kind of stuff. But it's like that was in the eighties, so it's like, what is the government waiting for? If they're gonna do this martial law, right. and like, why hasn't it happened yet? Well, I mean, there there is all kinds of crap. I mean, there's obviously um, plenty of issues with abuse of power in every position, uh, whether it be in law enforcement. That's that's one of the ones that's big lately is that there. People who abuse their power. Yeah, that's always going to be a thing. Anybody anywhere is always going to abuse their power in a position and, you know, bush it. Oh, right. I mean, and that's, yeah. and that's the thing that, that that happens with the law enforcement thing is you've got these guys that are, these cops that are out here doing these dirty deeds or whatever and, and you know, making themselves look bad. And sometimes it's a fact that, you know, a matter of they've been in, they've been doing it for so long, they've seen so much crap that they're just hardened on it and they just want, you know, they just get a sense of, you know, power and, Entitlement and their way of just saying that they can run shit their own way. That these young guys who come into law enforcement may come into the same exact precinct with all the right intentions in their mind, but eventually you get corrupted by it. Like, you know, look, this is just the way things are done. It's just the way I'm going to do them. So that's one way to look at it. And the other way is just, just like I said, you, you, you've got people that just don't know how to keep their moral center and they're going to do the wrong things and they're going to make the wrong decisions. But there's also the fact that a lot of these, these things that, that have probably been going on for a long time, 
But now everybody's got a video camera with them everywhere that they go with their cell phone. So now these things are getting yeah. recorded and spread around because we've now got the, the whole media to do it with the, the Internet. You can put it out there, and everybody's going to see it quickly. So now these same issues that were in existence before, now they're being amplified because now we can actually see them happen more often. But what you don't see, nobody takes the time to, you know, get, up. Oh, yep, this cop did things exactly by procedure. Let me post that online. Who the hell's going to do that, right? They're going to say, no, I'm yeah. going to post the guy who went rogue, you know. So it, it's it's unfortunate. Uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate what social media does for us in a good and bad way. And it's a very good point because Michael Brown was not the first uh, guy to get uh, shot in the street by police, by no means. But now we oh, have absolutely. cell phones. We have a cell phone, and all this stuff came out. So it's a different world we live in. Now, now do you think... Uh, like, uh, do you think 13 years old, maybe even like 15 years old, is way too young for someone to have a cell phone, to have a Facebook? Oh, well, let's, let's talk about my son. <laughs> my son just turned... Uh, well, I'm asking you because you have a son, I have a son. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually a good time. topic for us. Um, he just turned 13 with an, about a you know, month and a half ago. Um, he had... He started with an iPod, then he then he got um actually he used this privilege that his first phone was a was an iPod an iPhone. Because he proved with his iPod that he would try his best to take care of something nice and I'd like to say he probably I think he was probably ten years old when he got his iPhone. And he maybe he's, maybe he's eleven. It's but anyways, somewhere in there. He has got to the point of teenage, you know, I don't know if it's hormones or whatever, but, you know, he's actually broke his iPhone in anger um, at playing a damn game on it. So that's been taken away with him. And he went back to the old, uh, if anybody remembers the LG Envy, he has an LG Envy that his mother used to have that she still had in a drawer somewhere and said, oh, this is your phone now. This is what you're stuck with. You can, you've got texting, but you were going to take off the Internet and all this other stuff. But um, is it, Are they too young? Um, I would say that... There's two reasons that kids have these things at younger ages. First of all, just because we want to give our kids everything that we, you know, didn't have when we were a kid, you know, and we're we're so used to having it that, you know, we want our kids to have it. The other thing is most of us, I'd say, it's a fair statement to say that most of us don't do a home phone anymore. We all have our cell phones. So by the time your kids get to be about 13 and, like you said, up to 15 years old, there's not a phone just sitting at home for them to pick up and call or for someone to call them. So it's a matter of convenience for the parents to let the kid have a phone because now we can get a hold of you and you can get a hold of us and, you know, this, this, this technology exists and we don't even have a phone at home anyway. So there's that part of it that says, you, you know, why to do it. But then there's also the part where just um, kids do everything earlier now than they did when we were kids. I mean, they're, um, you know, sexual activity happens younger. Um, people are they're, they're getting into technology younger. Uh, all the things that, that are just yeah. out there now, just, just natural progression of things. And I'm sure if we took this conversation and had it 20 years ago, there would be something that we were doing that our parents wouldn't, you know, their parents wouldn't allow. It's just the natural progression of things with technology. But yeah. it's an interesting time. It's it's a good subject. The phones, because the phones are a toy now. Right. They're, they're your everything. They're your camera. They're your, you know, your media player. They're your video, you know, your video recorder. And they're your communication device. And, I mean, let's be honest here. This is the most I talk on my phone 
all week long. <laughs> so if I'm doing a Jamie Joshua live show, because I'm not on the phone, I'm texting and I'm you know messaging or whatever. That's how I communicate for the most part, um, because you do it on your own time. And here we're doing it on Blog Talk Radio's time, so we've got to do it at eleven o'clock. Yeah, and then uh, Facebook though to go back to that. Yeah, you know you have yeah yeah they used to like somebody had to be home to get a hold of them. So now like nobody has a house phone. So you know if you're you have a thirteen year old and to have a phone on to be able to be like okay where are you you know if they didn't come back from school on a certain day you know at a certain time like they always do then that's 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 a, actually a good thing. But um, Facebook <laughs> with all the uh, mm-hmm. profanity and beheadings and things like that on there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I I've never liked it that my son has a Facebook, and I'm against it. So, what's your feeling on that? I don't know if yours does. I, I'm I'm with you. Um, I'm, I'm de- I definitely see eye to eye with you on that one because my son has wanted a Facebook for a while because he has friends that have a Facebook or whatever, and um, he's actually friends with one of my friends' daughter. Um, just you know because of you know I have a friend and she has a daughter, and so he's friends with her. Um, and he's used her as an example of like, well, she's had a Facebook for X amount of, you know, years or whatever. And, and uh, I know that it exists. I know that's fine. I said, well, you know, that's her. I said, bottom line is there's stuff that um, that's on Facebook that you really don't need to be exposed to. And I said, it doesn't necessarily matter who you're friends with. You sometimes see these things that I, I feel are inappropriate for, for a person of your age. Now, technically, Facebook doesn't even let someone have a legit page under the age of 13. So when he turned 13, he's like, okay, so can we start my Facebook page? He said, some of my schoolwork, you know, they have Facebook groups that they use, you know, it was just true. You know, that was his argument. And he, and he hasn't argued it hard. He hasn't really pushed hard for it. But he said, you know, they have a Facebook page that they use. And I said, well, yes, yeah. but they also have, um, at least his school has something called Emoto, which is basically like Facebook, but in ed- for educational purposes only, where the teacher is kind of in charge of the page and, you know, the same idea that you can post stuff, ask questions or whatever. So kind of negated his idea of saying, oh, I need a Facebook so I can do my homework best. Um, but, yeah, with you, there's a lot of things out there that I don't want my son exposed to and that just aren't appropriate um, for a child of, you know, at his age of 13 or even up to 15. And I don't want to feel like an overprotective parent because I, I've never planned on being the overprotective parent. I plan on letting, you know, their trust, you know, take care of things. But, we had a conversation last week, uh, or was it last week or two weeks ago, about when I first watched porn and I was only 10 years old, you know? So I'm thinking, man, I don't want my son in that position. I don't want him to have that kind of access. And, you know, when it comes down to Facebook, even though for the most part it's just communicating, there's always stuff on there, you know, on any given day, any person could probably scroll through their news feed and possibly catch a glimpse of some boobs or something that you don't want your 13-year-old to see. I remember once I was uh, sitting here in my bedroom, and he was sitting here watching TV, and I'm scrolling through Facebook, and I scroll past a picture of a um, girl with her blues all painted up in red, white, and blue or something like that. And he goes, oh, my God, Dad, what was that? This was, like, probably about a year or two ago. And I said, <laughs> well, I said, that's, that's your, your your grandpa posted that. So my mom's husband had posted something on there, and, he was, you know, obviously he's a grown-ass adult. He sees what he wants to see, posts what he wants to post. Um, but I'm thinking, well, this is the kind of thing that happens because I'm friends with him and my son's in the room. He sees this because I'm scrolling through the feed and, you know, I'm not offended by it. I could care less. They're boobs, you know. Not, why would I be offended if anything? I'm, I'm like, yeah, they're boobs. 
<laughs> but my son, on the other hand, is like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that, that Grandpa would do that. He said, tell Grandpa not to post that dirty stuff anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I kind of joked around with my uh, my mom's husband about it, and, and it was a joke, but the funny thing is, I, I think since then, he actually hasn't posted anything like that because maybe it brought his consciousness that, hey, you know, all he's got to do is be in the room or next to me while I'm scrolling through my phone or whatever it may be, and he might see something like that. But, yeah, there's, there, I'm, I'm with you. Um, kind of anti-Facebook for the young, but at the same point, I don't want to socially stunt him because everybody I, – I hate to say that, but well, everybody else has got one. But, yeah, if all of his classmates have yeah. one, I feel like I'm a jerk if I deny him that, and then he's got to go to school and say, yeah, I don't have one because my dad doesn't let me. You know, I'd say – no. And I would tell him, I say, just tell him you don't want one. You don't, you don't, you don't like Facebook. Or whatever. Tell him that. That way, it's on you, and it's your own personal choice. And it's, you don't have to look like, oh gosh, your parents are just so mean, or whatever. And you have to defend that. So you can just say, hey, I don't like Facebook. But in the most part, I told him he would be able to start one when he turns thirteen, and I haven't, I haven't helped him start it yet, so he doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah, the reason I brought that up was because this week in life, you know, I kind of got into an argument about that kind of stuff with the baby mama. Right. But, um, you know, um, you know uh, I had a similar incident happen. I'll, I'll tell you that off the air. <laughs> oh. But as, no, no, far, no. as far as no my son seeing no something out there. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Come yeah, did you notice that we're actually... Tell me to pour my heart out. <laughs> did you notice that we're actually uh, going over what we normally do as far as time-wise here? Oh, we're almost at an hour here. That's because I... Uh, you know, got that little free trial where uh, you know. Oh, you signed the thirty day cruise. It could be so longer. We're going to need yeah. to on I, again this week. We're going to need the time. <laughs> okay, I, I can keep you on here until one in the morning because this can go for two hours. <laughs> wow! So oh, I don't. We can Mark probably get me off air for <laughs> But yeah, there's, there's a couple more things I wanted to ask you. So if you if you sure. mind, uh, um. How do you feel about tattoos? Now, I don't think you have any tattoos. Maybe I'm wrong. I have zero tattoos. No, I definitely don't have any face tattoos. And I can say with um, I can say with 75% certainty I'll never have a tattoo. I can say with 100% certainty I will never have a facial tattoo. Um, how I feel about tattoos, though, is differently than how I feel about myself when it comes to tattoos. Um, I personally... Um, I'm more afraid that I would regret something I put on myself eventually. Not necessarily regret, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that, because I would never put something so stupid on me that I would say, you know, like a female's name, um, that I would eventually go, oh, yeah. my God, I can't believe I did that. But I would say that for the most part, I just don't want to put something on me that's permanent and say, ugh, I don't like that. Kind of like if you wanted to get your hair cut in a certain style, because that's the style that's hot at the time, and then, Six years later, you're like, oh, I don't want to do my hair that way anymore. Well, guess what? If you got a tattoo, you're still doing your, your tattoo that same way that you did it. You know that. So for me, it's more of just the permanency of it. I don't like it. The funny thing is, though, I actually love tattoos. Like, I actually like the artwork and, you know, seeing what other people have done to them. And, you know, if my buddies get something new and they're like, oh, look, dude, I got my sleeve half done. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet. You know, you can see, you know check out what other people have done, and I'm totally for someone doing what they want to do with their body that's not harming themselves or anybody else. Um, and, you know, same thing for a female. If she wants to get a tattoo, I used to think 
um, at one point in time, I think, ah, you know, it's trashy. But it really comes right down to what kind of tattoo they get, where they get it, you know, what it represents to them. So I don't find them trashy at all. I actually find, you know, they can be a nice piece of artwork. Um, and it is, I do look at it as body art. Just, But for me, myself, there's just, I can't see at this point in my in my life um, anything that I want permanently on my body. Yes, that's kind of what I was going to ask you. Is like if you were going to get one, like, and maybe that's why you have it because you just don't like it. Wouldn't considering right. it possibly, you don't know the thing. Like the only thing, like there is one I would like to get that I think would look cool, <laughs> like on my arm, but I've just never done it. Uh, not nothing against, definitely against face tattoos. Though I mean. Well, the face tattoos thing is it just comes right down to it where um, it can it can limit your employment opportunities. It can limit your – unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, people do discriminate for whatever damn reason they want to. Whether they have to – whether they vocally say it or not, people will discriminate for whatever reason they want to. And I think that – Getting a facial tattoo is almost like asking for your, you know, your choosing for the fact that you know you're going to be discriminated against, and it's almost like sticking your middle finger up to any potential employer and say, you know, fuck you, this is me. If you want to hire me, you're going to hire me, regardless of the fact that I have eight teardrops falling out of each eye. Uh, so, you know, that are permanently <laughs> attached to my face. And, and, my, and my, you know, my ex-girlfriend from 15 years ago, name tattooed across the side of my neck, then with an X put through it, and then another one on the side of my neck. Yeah. You know, but, that, but that's the thing. I think that um, it's, just a, it's a, just a bad decision as far as, in my opinion, it's a bad decision as far as limiting yourself and your future employment opportunities to get something tattooed on your face. I think that for the most part, um, I've never seen personally me being judgmental towards anybody that has something on their arm um, something that, you know, I can, if I can visibly see on your arm, I, you know, I could care less. Um, but if you see it on somebody's face, all of a sudden it, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, and, I, and you're, you're you're wrong about it probably eight out of ten times, but you see something on somebody's face and you go, oh, they probably did this or they probably did that. They're probably this kind of person. They're probably that. Yeah, you really right. don't have any idea. You really don't have any idea. That could be the nicest guy in the world, but you see that and all of a sudden you've got this this perception that is put off by this person and it's wrong and it's wrong. And I'll say straight up, I mean, yeah, I find myself thinking, man, you know, what did they go through in life? I bet you they went through this. I bet you they went through that. And then all of a sudden I'm going, what the hell they've been through? They've been a, they may have had a happy childhood with mom and dad married the whole time, happily in love. They had a great normal um, education. They're college educated and moving on. They've got a great job in life. And I don't know, but I saw that tattoo on his face and I made my judgment on him. And that's unfortunate. So I yeah, it's definitely, and it definitely gives you that perception, you know, in, in a lot of cases it'll give you that perception, but also kind of like the same perception I have when I see a girl with, like, purple hair, you know, like, or yeah. something. <laughs> like, uh, like, maybe, I'm not saying, like, ugly girls have to dye their hair purple to make them look more attractive. I'm not saying that. Right. I don't know where that's thought would come to my head or why I think that. But <laughs> I'm just like, also like not implying anything. Like like I don't know why I would think of it. But <laughs> but also like, kind of like uh, Eminem said before on one of the songs because he has a tattoo of his you know ex wife wife Kim on and now he's like now ship my next girlfriend's name has to be Kim. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. like actually tattoo a name on you know <laughs> it's, it's something else. 
Yeah, yeah. But, uh, this is my this is my rule, and um, I tell everybody that if if you're going to tattoo a name on yourself, the person better either be dead or be blood. That's the only two reasons that you should tattoo somebody's name on you. Is that they're either you either share blood with them because that'll never change, or they passed away because if they passed away, you already know how you feel about that person forever. If it's somebody you knew, do not tattoo their name on them because they may not end up being the person you think they are. You may not end up feeling the way about them that you think you feel. Um, it's just it's just a bad move, bad move. It's, it's it's not a show. It's not a show of dedication to that person, in my opinion. Because if you're doing that to show them that you're dedicated, they're either either they're insecure or you're just stupid. Because it's, that's that's forever. Yeah, that's forever. And this is somebody that you know you don't know what's going to happen to them, to you, or to anybody else, um, or you know how they may screw you over eventually or whatever. I'm not I'm not a skeptic. I'm just saying that. It's just a bad move. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've noticed my pattern tonight, but I'm just kind of going from a nice topic to like a horrible like topic and like back and forth. <laughs> you know, you, know, you, you, you back around well. so much I don't even try to follow the pattern anymore. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. But I specifically have this pattern like, okay, this is this is this is something nice, and then I'm gonna give us some that could potentially be terrible. <laughs> so back to uh, something. Back to something of uh, you know that a lot of people are interested in. I'm sure, like um, I have an iPhone four. You may have the newest iPhone six. So I mean, I may, what are I the may. what are you may? <laughs> not, may. not gonna say. I that may, I may have been there no. when Best Buy opened the day that it was released. That's a possibility <laughs> to happen. So like, uh, did you used to have an iPhone four though? Like the phone I have. Um, I ha- I've had the first iPhone that I bought, and I actually worked for AT&T Wireless when the first iPhone came out. Um, didn't get the first one, didn't get the second one. Um, I did get the 3GS when it first came out, and then I got the 4, and then the 4S, and then the 5. I didn't get the 5S, um, but I did get the 6 the day that it came out. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I'm that guy that waits in line for it by any means, but once I finally said, hey, you know what, I'm going to give the iPhone a try, um, yeah, to carry as my regular phone. So I, I mean, I, I was very, very familiar with it and all the functions of it. It just wasn't for me. I wanted a, I wanted the physical keyboard that you could press the buttons on and this and that, uh, which is hard to find now anyways uh, at, at any phone. But I thought, oh, I'm not going to like the on-screen keyboard or whatever. But once I got used to it, um, it's, it's the phone that I prefer. That's, I mean, I'm not bugging any other phone. I'm just saying I like the iPhone. I like the way it works. And I've been waiting for a bigger screen. They finally gave me one, so I'm pretty pleased um, with the 6. Not to, I didn't get the 6 Plus uh, for two reasons. First of all, you couldn't pre-order it um, anywhere, I don't think, except for from, a, from Apple directly. Um, you definitely couldn't do it at the retail stores. You might have been able to do it at the carrier store. So I might have been able to go to AT&T or Verizon or Sprint and order the 6 Plus. Um, that was all about this much just because of supply. We couldn't get them out there. But um, regardless of all that, I didn't get it because I actually went to the store, picked up the Note, the Samsung Note, just to try to, you know, feel it size-wise and, you know, use it. And I realized that it's going to, it's just a difficult thing to use um, one-handed ever. And, you know, even with two-handed, it's just kind of a bulky thing. Uh, for a guy, it's hard to find a place to carry it. I know guys who have it and love it. And I would love the screen size, too. But, you know, there's a girl who has a purse you can shove it in, so that's great, but it just wasn't for me. But, yes, yeah, so I went with the 6, and I'm uh, very happy with the size of the iPhone 6 and features and all that good stuff. So, uh, 
my 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 question about it though is you used to have an iPhone four, you know, so now you have the mm-hmm. iPhone six. But besides the appearance and and the size and and all the uh, you know physical details and the differences, like what are, what are some of the differences you'd notice that to where you would go, oh yeah, you should get the iPhone six, Jamie. You know, get rid of the iPhone four because of this or this. Okay, well let me ask you: Do you have the four or the four S? A four. I don't even have a four S. I don't okay. even have Siri. Okay. <laughs> that, 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 and that, that's one of the things that makes a difference because that's one of the things that you, you'll be offered. And people who say, "Oh, well, you don't need that," I'll tell you, you don't need it. But there are plenty of times when I'm driving and I want to find something out, and instead of me having to pull anything up, I hold down the button and say. Google, blah, 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 and it will actually Google it for you right there or whatever. And a lot of times you can just even literally ask questions and get a reply. The Siri is kind of cool. Um, it's not you know, the be-all and all for phone things, but it's kind of nice because it's doing the things that you can do on your own, but you don't even have to you know, touch the phone to do it except for to hold down the button to talk to it. Uh, so Siri is kind of cool. Um, the camera gets upgraded with every generation, so you're going to get better pictures out of it. Um, so I guess that's, that's one thing. Um, if you don't use many of the, uh, I guess, you know, if you don't, if you don't use it for gaming and, and stuff like that or, or a lot of intense apps, then maybe the, the extra processor and all that stuff, that, you know, the, the extra power there doesn't mean a lot to you. But I'll say that with every high phone I have had several generations, they operate smoother. Um, you are getting a faster processor. They open things faster. Um, but... You know, you essentially, you're getting about the same software on it. Now, with the 4, I believe, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is true. The 4, you can't put iOS 8 on it at all. And iOS 8 is not a big jump from iOS 7. You know, you're talking maybe 7. If you guys don't use an iPhone, we're, we're boring you have conversation now. But if you do, you're like, yeah, I'm going to know. <laughs> um, yeah, um, iOS 8 can't go on the iPhone 4. So if you want to have the latest, greatest um, operating system, you're going to have to upgrade to a new phone. And, I'm sure there's two reasons. First of all, the hardware may not support it as well as the fourth. Um, but second of all, obviously to push you towards buying a new product. Um, you know, if, you're, if, if all they can do is just keep upgrading the phone that you have with newer and newer software that does all the same stuff as the new phone that comes out, eventually you get to the point where you're like, well, shoot, I don't need to buy a new phone for five years because, oh, I mean, I've got all of this one. Yes, I've got a smaller screen, but I can do everything that you can do on your stuff. So... Yeah, I mean, I would say that I, I wouldn't sit here and push anyone. If you're happy with what you're using, keep using what you're using. Um, but if you think that there, there are a couple of features out there, I would say, you know, the camera's going to be run. Adding series, such as one from the four up, is, is a good thing. The bigger screen size, obviously, is a physical um, physical difference on it. I'll say also the screen is, even, even though I've only had it for, you know, less than a month now, the screen is much more scratch-resistant than it was in the past. Um it, it, and, and this is something I read online too. That literally, you, all these little tiny surface scratches that you always get in your screen, just from in your pocket, the keys or whatever. Um, but this one's supposed to be pretty resistant to it. And my experience so far has been that yes, the, the glass has been upgraded to the fact that it doesn't scratch up as well. Yeah, I, I had an uh, Android before I got the uh, iPhone upgrade, and that was the thing I was the most impressed by was the uh, how you know the resolution of the screen just blew my mm-hmm. mind. Like, looking at a picture, it's like looking at something in real life. And like you're saying, yeah. you know, this is only going to get better and better every time Every time they drop a new iPhone. Right. Now, do you remember? <laughs> they're keeping up, too, though. I mean, 
This, this is not, a, and that's the thing that I, that's why I don't vlog out of Android users. Is, but they're actually getting phones that, first of all, were bigger than the iPhone, but also the, the, the screen resolution stuff, they, they'll fight back and forth and say, well, we've got this, you got that, you know, whatever. Um, they're all looking great now. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting time for technology, I guess. And, and even though I'm no longer in cell phone business, society means I haven't been there for, I don't know, six years, um, I feel, I'm still very intrigued by it, and I, I, I try to try to follow it as much as I can. Yeah. Do you remember, uh, like, uh, when you had the uh, A, B, and C on the the, the dial pad, the one that you had to hit number one, then you had to hit it twice if you wanted the letter B, et cetera, et cetera. Like, right. like yeah. text messages that way. <laughs> I remember being pissed off one night at somebody. I was in an argument. And I was just like, I had to go through all yeah, that. All like, a, uh, <laughs> to flip those text messages argument is no fun. <laughs> there's there's still people out there doing that. <laughs> like you know, they don't have like a smartphone yet. <laughs> In this country? Really? Okay. <laughs> no, you see people with the uh boosts and everything still. Like uh, that's like a two way, like a walkie talkie, I think, right? <laughs> oh man. I that, that's sort of brought that up because I was actually in the rest in uh the restroom at a public restroom at a uh convenience store. I thought no no it was a is a just Target or something. Anyway, this was in the past week. No, no, it was out of Menards. But anyway, I was in the restaurant of Menards, and I'm walking in there, and, you know, just at the urinal, doing my thing. And one of the employees is in there, and they got, like, a two-way radio, and it's going back and forth, and that's exactly what came into my mind was Nextel. This is back in the day that Nextel <laughs> two-way pages. So everybody's going back and forth, like, why the hell do you want everybody to hear your conversation? But those people who are on Nextel or, you know, been boosting whatever, that have the two-way, they just, it was like their job to turn that speaker up as loud as possible and just let everybody know the business. <laughs> and, uh, and I never got it. I never got the idea of two way. I'm like, you know what? I, if I make a phone call, turn it fast. And I don't have to have everybody else hear it. <laughs> so if you if you were able to pick how you die, how would you want to die? Hmm. Again, out of the blue. But. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there's, it, it, I mean, I think it has to be one of the painless, something painless, you know, something that's um, instantaneous. I think if if I if I say if you tell me Mark on this date, oh shit, I didn't know your name, I didn't know Mark. If somebody said that on this date of this year you're gonna die, choose how. Now you get to choose how you're gonna die on that date. Well, if I know I'm going to die anyway, I'm I'm skydiving to my death. Because first of all, I'm going to skydive. It's fun, you know. I'm going to be going down the sides of the earth, and my, my, I think that'd be pretty fun. Plus, I feel if I jump out of a plane from thousands and thousands of feet above the earth, when I hit the earth, I'm dead instant, instantaneously, no pain. So that would, you know, I think something like that would probably be my choice if uh, I got to choose how to die. And I'm sure some people would be dying without clothes under the covers with somebody else. Uh, Significant to them, but I feel if I'm going to die that way, it's probably going to be from a heart attack, and that's not going to be painless. That's going to hurt. <laughs> I don't want to do yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah, I'd say, uh, that's it. Skydiving without a parachute. I know I'm going, I'm going to go out, you know, that, yeah, for, uh, flying pretty much. 
you know, something instantaneous, like you said, like like a plane crash, you know. Like a, for plane crashes, you're probably just going to be in the fireball. It's going to be half a second, like you're not going to feel anything. Yeah, but think about all the fear that you go through in the process, because you know the plane's going down probably. You're like, oh, shit, I'm going to die. There's that fear thing. I, I guess, well, then I guess you thought I didn't do the same thing. But if you knew going up there, hey, I'm gonna, this is going to happen, yeah, I guess that, that's that time I do it. Yeah, yeah, a plane crash probably not even bad. You're in a nice space in a cockpit, and so, you know, inside the, inside the plane, you're comfortable, you have your little tiny bottle of Jack Daniels or whatever they hand out, and do everything and say, yeah, I'm going to probably crash into something here in the next 15 minutes, but uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, spirit is going to give you another drink. <laughs> So what's 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 the worst way to die? Is like drowning in a fire, getting shot? What's the worst way? I would say not getting shot. No, that wouldn't that wouldn't be the worst way because again, it, it, you know, if you got shot in the head, it'd be an instantaneous death, hopefully. Um, drowning would would be pretty bad. Drowning, suffocation, kind of the same thing. Um, being set on fire. You're trying to get yeah, your breath and you can't. Yeah, I mean, being so fire, that, that that might be way up there on the top of the list because there's a lot of pain involved in that, um, I would assume. I mean, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that, that could be, you know, one of the worst. Or, you know, possibly hanging. Hanging would probably be pretty bad, too. Hanging would actually be worse possibly than suffocation or, or drowning because my my thought is that when you hang, you probably not only break your neck because you're also strangling yourself. So it's like two dying twice. <laughs> um, so that might that might be the worst. You know, I think about the fact that you know, all things in the internet, I saw you know the the hanging of Saddam Hussein. I saw the video of that, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is you know this is this is not enough a good way to go. You know, it's, it's a hard one to go. But I, I tell you, you know, when you brought that up, probably being Things set aflame would be pretty bad. <laughs> that might be that might be the worst. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe too much time to think about it before the actual actual death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not you're not dying. You watch the you're, you're literally on fire. You know, there's no getting out of this. <laughs> I am on fire. I guess I'm thinking more of like a Joan of Arc burned at the stake kind of thing. But yeah, 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 I'm tied to this. I'm not going anywhere. Nobody's coming through to save me, and I'm burning. I'm gonna die, and the way that I'm gonna die is probably from inhaling all this this shit that's burning, which is me. I'm gonna be inhaling my own flesh burning, and, and that's gonna cause my lungs. Or you're literally gonna burn all the flesh off till you get to the vital organs, and they're gonna catch on fire, and then I'm gonna die. So yeah, yeah, that's 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 a whole lot of not good. And you know what we're up against. <laughs> Do you know what we're up against on Sunday nights here for ratings when we do these shows? Uh, do you watch The Walking Ooh. Dead? Um, I I did watch The Walking Dead. I watched it every Sunday. Yeah, so uh, luckily we're on after Walking Dead and Talking Dead. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have Walking Dead, you have the talk show discussing Walking Dead afterwards. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we luckily, you know, we're after that. So I'm sure our ratings are fantastic. And I hope we get picked up for another season thanks to the, the awesome host here and, and the, and the fact that, you know, whenever you can't find somebody with ticket to fill in, then, hey, I'll jump in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, what so about, uh, what, about uh, <laughs> what about Sons of Anarchy? That That's another show. Do you, do you, do you check that one out? That's, that's on Tuesday. I will say this. I'll say this, that uh, my, my TV viewing is pretty limited. 
Um, it's not that I don't watch TV much. It's that I only have a few shows that really matter to me. And the people that I know that like Sons of Anarchy love Sons of Anarchy. It's never been one that I've actually watched and got into. So it's probably it maybe something that I would love, but I've, since I've never watched it myself, I can't say that I, I definitely would love it. The ones that I've actually um, made a habit of DVR in the past was I was Walking Dead. Um, and I'm ashamed to know it, but for a while there was um, the Once Upon a Time, uh, which is the one about their stories, both characters coming to life in a real town or whatever and all this stuff. Um, and then Tosh Kuno. No shame there. Yeah. <laughs> Tosh Kuno is yeah. awesome. Uh, I like Tosh Kuno. And then uh, then I, I got into a kick. Um, when I wasn't DVRing it, but I was watching it on uh, Netflix a lot, and I've, I've exhausted the only two teams on the Netflix, and that was, uh, um, shoot, what's it, what's it called? Um, Ink Masters, the tattoo show. You asked me about tattoo. Um, the Ink Masters, with Scott Bob, Dave Navarro, from Two Fighters in uh, Nevada, where he posted it with you know, actual tattoo artists and uh, the tattoo competition. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I really do appreciate um, tattoo. But that's probably another show I watch. I haven't watched Sons of Anarchy, but I know a lot of people really dig that. Yeah, I hear, I hear nothing but good things about Sons of Anarchy, but I'm, I'm, I haven't watched it. Um, Tosh Bueno, I'm <laughs> regular on that. I, I just randomly found that on demand one day, just clicked on it, and then watched every single one since. Uh, and, then, and then you get all upset when you run out of episodes to watch, so yeah. Shit, not going to wait for yeah. once a week? What the hell is that about? He does a lot, though. He, he does like 27 weeks a year, even though he's like breaks, but like, I can't. She says a lot. Yeah, you got people that all they all they do is sit and watch YouTube all day and say, "Hey, let's put this on the show. <laughs> let's put, put this on the show. Say something sarcastic about it. Bam! There we go. Money. Such an easy one show that's actually been good. One show that's actually been good that has been ticking up lately it was, uh, with this new season is actually the original version of CSI. It's on Sunday nights now. You know, so it's. It's on before this before this show, <laughs> but uh, they've yeah. actually had like four good episodes now. They had one good episode last year. You know, they got Ted Danson on there now. You know, <laughs> half the original cast really? left. You know, the show, the sh- wow. yeah, they had a show with the shit for a while, but then they had Lawrence Fishburne on uh, a couple years ago. Exactly you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he didn't last too long on there, though. You know, he left it, <laughs> went and did something else. But like, so CSI sucked. Like for they had one good episode, but now this year they're really picking it up. So that, that's my recommendation to everybody. I'm sure my mom can tell you all about it. Okay. My mom loves all the crime scene shows and uh, the Law and Orders and, uh, and the CSIs and all that stuff. So that, that's, that's kind of what she's into. Um, for me, for a while there was, like I said, it's literally was a time constraint thing. Um, I've always worked, you know, for the most part, I've worked two jobs. You know, most of the past. Uh, Ten years of my life, you know, working a day job and then working, you know, the DJ thing at the at the same time, and then basically even getting taken over for that by you know bar managing and DJing and you know bartending, bar managing and DJing. And right now it's like uh you know I've got more free time on my hands than I've had in the past, which also means I have less free money than in the past. <laughs> um, so yeah, now I can actually like catch up on all these shows. And why am I not DVRing this stuff? 
Yeah. Lately, I've been, I've just like pull up the Netflix. I, I've been watching a lot of the uh, forensic files. I don't know because you know like how I am about death and destruction as of late. Right. Files. Like the narrator's voice. Uh, I think his name is Peter Thomas. Just something about his voice just soothes me. It's kind of like watching you know unsolved mysteries with Robert Stack back back in the oh, day. Yeah. Just like his voice and everything. Like that. <laughs> I'm into that. Yeah, I love the unsolved uh, mysteries. Man, that you just brought me back. You brought me back to a certain place. Some time, I'm like, oh my god! I wonder yeah, if those mysteries are solved now. <laughs> Not many. That's what he needs. He needs a new show called Solved Mysteries. <laughs> like, hey, you know that shit we talked about? Yeah, we got that all figured out. <laughs> it's like only only once in a while on that show would. Once in a while on that show, would they go update? You know, <laughs> like they actually yeah, solved yeah. the mystery. Yeah, yeah. How can you have an update? This is the first time you the show. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we recorded it a year ago, and the police have actually been doing work in the meantime. And uh, yeah, they found this guy. So yeah, we didn't want to waste the footage, and <laughs> so we have to tell you what the update is. Otherwise, you're going to get on Google and figure it out anyway. <laughs> that's yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. That's another one I did watch was Shark Tank. Have you ever watched Shark Tank? Oh, I just watched one a couple weeks ago. There's yeah, Shark Tank. You have an idea about a about a coat check in. Like, <laughs> that's the one I saw. This guy was, like, yeah, I, I, trying I to start But, yeah, with Shark Tank, it's the same thing. It's like, I'll watch them, and then immediately I jump on the computer to look up and see what happened to these people since they recorded their episode. Because, for the most part, a lot of these, they have the, they already have updates. Somebody's already got a blog that has updates on the companies. Once they put these on there, they go do their research, and then they put, you know, where things are now. Because, uh, obviously, most of the, the shows are recorded six months to a year before you actually see them. So kind of interesting to see uh, what, what, how yeah. things take off from them. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> one more question here um, um, for you. Um, yeah. I don't know if I really want to ask this one. Neither one of us is racist, right? Neither one of us is like You might as well, you know. <laughs> It's a it's a known fact, you know. Like we're not we're not racist, but sometimes there are some uh, racist jokes that we hear that are kind of funny. <laughs> so, it's, it's kind of that's unfortunately like, true. Do you know any good? Do you know any good racist jokes? Whether it be about you know. Do like you love any good racist jokes? Or, if, if I did, I would not be saying them on 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 your talk show. <laughs> but no, no, actually. Um, no, I don't know. Racist jokes are, are a really weird thing. See, now I'm going to go out serious with it. Um, I have a I have an odd view on racism. I hate it. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Yeah. Um, I I cringe. Um, and he I guarantee he's probably not listening to the show. But I had a friend that was staying with me for a week and a half while he was in town on vacation or whatever, and he uses um, a word that just you know and you can guess what the word is that just that just is like nails on a chalkboard times ten. Yeah. With me. Yeah. Because it's a word that I never ever use. And um you know, and I'll say something to him about it. He's he's like, Oh well, you know, I, it's just you know, that's the way I was raised, you know, it's the way this and that. Um and, and and no excuses for it. I mean I understand that, you know, people are victims of how they're raised in the most part. You know, you take after whatever your parents were doing, but you hope that you also have enough intelligence and to move on and realize how stupid that is. But regardless, um, but I guess my view on racist is racism is kind of like, 
um, uh, who was it that they asked? Uh, Morgan Freeman on 60 Minutes once day, he was asked, you know, how do you end racism? He said, stop talking about it. And I, I agree with that. I agree that some ways the way and, – and, and, it's, and it's a double-edged sword. You can't decide, hey, I'm not going to talk about it and ignore it if that's your purpose of not talking about it. If your purpose of not talking about racism is to say, we're just going to ignore that it ever happened. That, that doesn't really work. But the more you talk about it, the more you divide it, too. It's, it's kind of, you know, if you think about, you know, um, you know talking about, well, uh, I don't know, you, you see, if you see a person that fits this, you know, physical description, then all of a sudden, you know, you assume this about them, just like we were talking about the tattoos in the face or something like that. Racism is kind of similar. It's like you see somebody that looks like this and you automatically assume this. Not only are you saying – hey, it's wrong to just assume that, but you're also putting a thought in their mind that something sparked somebody to think this at some point in time. And all of a sudden now you're actually creating a racial divide because now, you know, let's just say it's a black and white thing. Blacks are bitter at whites for feeling that way about them, which makes them angry, which makes them act out, which perpetuates what these racist whites may think about a black person. And then, all this, and then, then it also perpetuates what black think about white people just don't freaking like us. And they think they're superior to us. So so it perpetuates both sides of it. By not talking about it, what you hope is that equality just becomes part of it. It's like two kids of two different colors playing together whose parents have never taught them anything about race. They don't notice the race. They don't have any clue about it. They don't care about right. it. It doesn't exist to them because they've never, they've never experienced it. So why, you know, race? What do you mean race? What do you mean? I don't understand what's different. You know, they may notice that there's a difference in skin tone, but they don't notice anything about that because everybody, everybody has different skin tone. Every person is different than the mm-hmm. next person. You know, there's there's plenty of shades of everything. So, yeah, I agree with that. Don't talk about it as one way to do it. The other thing that I also agree is that there's also a point where I've I've actually been in a situation where I made fun of racism, which all almost came out as racist, where Somebody was doing something, and I said something like, you're like, oh, so I guess now you're supposed to, it was a black friend of mine or whatever, I said something like, oh, I guess, you know, now you're supposed to carry a gun and do this and that. You know, just basically throwing out all the stupid stereotypes that were out there, but I caught him in the wrong mood, and I completely apologized to him. I mean, I profusely, because I, I think that he took it how I didn't mean it, but it doesn't matter. If he's offended by it, then I probably should have said it. But I said, you know, so yeah. now you're supposed to carry a gun so you can live up to the expectations of this person who thinks that. about you like, why would you say that? Why would you say that? I'm like, because I'm, you know, and, and it was, it's, this is where Morgan Freeman probably has a good point. I brought up something that didn't need to be brought up. I said a comment that didn't need to be said, but it was almost saying these are the things that annoy me that people think these things. But because it came out of my mouth as a white person, in his presence, after he had been drinking, um, it came up as, in his mind, offensive to him and a shot at him. I'm like, this was not a shot at you. This was not even saying these things are anywhere true. It's making fun of racism. Of racism. And that's where you get into the whole thing where you're like, you know, any good racist jokes. It's like, yeah, it may be funny, but at the same time, when we're laughing at it, we're also perpetuating the stereotypes that racism involves. So... I mean, there's things, there, there are certain things that are um, probably racially true. It's probably racially true that white men can't jump. 
as high as you know <laughs> as as they as we would like to be able to jump, and it's um, actually been uh, as far as most most surveys will say and most uh, research has said, it is actually true that some of the um, some of the rumors about male anatomy follows the exact um, patterns of what the the racist jokes about them would be. Um, <laughs> the general consensus. <laughs> yeah, the general consensus basically says, you know, that, that Caucasians fall in the center of the spectrum. Asians might be at one end and African-Americans <laughs> might be at the other. <laughs> this just, I'm just saying this is, this is you know, realistically, um, you know, for whatever reason, genetically, it's how, how things might have evolved. But in the same respect, I've, you know, heard plenty of women say, hey, I've been with men of all races, and, um, yeah, there's really no there's no standard. Um, I've been with this race that's big and this race that's small, and both of them go against the conventional jokes or whatever. So yeah, racism is always a touchy subject, and it's 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 hard to put out there your feelings on it um, and being honest about it and honest about your experiences with it and also being completely supportive of everybody being looked at and treated and um, handled as an equal. And so and in some ways it's like to treat someone as an equal, you almost have to treat them unequal to make up for when they haven't been treated as an equal. Um, the, the double-edged sword of, uh, let's, let's just say that, the double-edged sword of um, affirmative action. Affirmative action is to make sure that people of different races get their fair shot at a job that they're completely qualified for. At the same time, yeah. though, affirmative action also makes sure that your ratio is set up right where if there are two equally qualified persons applying for a job, um, the one that fits what they need for ratios at their company is the one that's going to get the job, which is also yeah, so there's no, as well. So there's a lawsuit coming from – a discrimination lawsuit coming from the Right, exactly. I mean, so, you know, if um, – you know, black guy, white guy apply for the job. Black guy, white guy are equally qualified on paper. Um, one of them might have had a better interview than the other, but they, that still doesn't really matter. They have to look and say, okay, well, you know, let's see, the 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 white guy had the better interview, but, oh, racially we need to have a black guy in here, so let's get the black guy in. Or they'll look at it and say, oh, you know, they both had a you know great interview, but, um, oh, we've got enough blacks, we can hire the white guy. You know, it's, it's stupid. It, it, it's, it's it's stupid, but it serves a purpose too. There's no, I almost feel like there's no right answer. There's no way to fix what happened 200, 100, even 60 years ago. There's no way to fix these things through something that we do today. It's it's just I think it's one of these things that over the years, over the decades, over the generations, um, it's just going to fade away. So the differences will hopefully melt away and not become exaggerated. Let's let's go that way instead of the other. So let's just hope that with each generation that things get better. And I think in my in my family it's been that way. Um my dad is I like to think that I'm not racist at all. Um I really believe that I'm not racist at all. I believe that I I, I feel completely equal towards all people, sexual denomination, you know, religious denomination, sexual orientations, whatever. Yeah. Um however, if you if I go back to my dad, my dad's like, Oh yeah. Um, I got no problem with any other race, oh, unless they want to date my daughter. And then all of a sudden, I don't know that I want her to date this guy. Oh, now I know that Mark's friends, you know, growing up, you have great friends that are that are of color, but I don't want her to necessarily date one because 
I think her intention may be just to impress her friend, whoever it may be. Yet when I dated a girl who was, you know, biracial, my dad was like, oh, she's cool, whatever. <laughs> you know, but when it was my stepsister, it was no good anymore. Um, but then you go back one more generation from him, and you got my grandpa who dropped the N-word all the time. He lived in a, a neighborhood that when he moved in was mostly white, and by the time he was an elderly man, it was mostly black. And all of a sudden, that just became commonplace for him to use that phrase. And, you know, even as a child, a young child, I, I hated it. But I'm sure if I go back to the generation before him, I never knew my great-grandfather on that side, but I bet you he was even more racist than my grandpa. So I'm thinking that uh, hopefully each race is, or each generation is becoming less and less racist and just sees that it's nothing. It's a, it's a color of skin. It's not how much melanin is in your system. Who cares? I, I think it is. I, I think definitely, like, uh, definitely is, like you said, like 50 years ago, people that, like, lived in that generation that, that would be our grandfathers that really went went through the uh, civil rights movements and saw all of this. Um, but now, like like you said, you know, if it's being, you know, talked about, then uh, it, because like a lot of people say, well, people aren't against Obama because he's a Democrat even. It's because of, you know, color of skin. But, you know. Oh, yeah, there's, we, we I'm never sure had, there's plenty of that going on. Absolutely. We never had a... Uh, 